This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I had the pleasure of chatting with Sarah Jane, who is a psychologist in Victoria who uh, practices in the area of uh, fertility and uh, pregnancy and perinatal psychology. So she helps intended parents and surrogates through the fertility journey and uh, through the pregnancy and also through parenting after surrogacy or parenting after infertility. She can also help with pre-surrogacy counselling and uh, the independent psych reports that you might need. So I have put up her contact details in the post if you need to reach out to her. In this episode, we talk specifically about managing um, our own mental health during fertility and surrogacy journeys. I'm going to hand over to Sarah Jane. Keep an eye out in the post if you're looking to make contact with her. Today, I am talking to Sarah Jane, who is a psychologist. I'm going to get her to introduce herself a bit more and her professional credentials, but we're going to be talking about surrogacy and mental health. Sarah Jane, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be practicing in surrogacy. Okay, well, um, I started my career in the UK, you can probably tell that. Um, I started in forensic psychology, so I started um, working in prisons uh, many, many years ago, working with serial offenders, you know, really, really uh, nice people, and came over to Australia 13, 14 years ago now, I believe, and um, decided that you know I guess I'd worked with the worst of the worst in terms of behavior and I wanted to work with the best of the best I kind of wanted to figure out how we had these amazing people that did these really um, incredible uh, things where they were you know taking on the world becoming you know amazing setting up amazing charities, doing altruistic acts, you know, doing all these, living this life that's really, really fantastic. And um, so I retrained in, when I got to Australia, I took another master's degree in positive psychology and set up my practice in Sydney, moved down to Geelong, into Victoria um, 18 months ago, but started working with regular people, living regular lives, um, but people who really want to live a, a good life. And, you know, surrogacy, uh, infertility, I should say, um, having a lot of clients referred to me who have gone through their journey um, to become parents and finding some, some roadblocks, and some barriers, and then became really interested in, in surrogacy. Mm, that's interesting. And actually, I like what you say about finding the the best of the best because I used to do a lot of more work in divorce family law and did find that actually I really liked working with people that were in family creation rather than family separation probably for very similar reasons it's much nicer working in this area so if we're talking about surrogacy and mental health do you have any sort of places to start with in terms of making sure that intended parents and surrogates and their partners are managing their mental health along the surrogacy experience and the journey? Yeah, look, I sat down and thought about, okay, well, you know, we talk about surrogacy being a roller coaster and it definitely has its highs and its lows. Um, it's full of hope. Uh, it can often be full of hope being, um, t- you know, extinguished. And I think it's really, really important to think about it as whole journey as being a marathon and not a sprint um, you know there is no quick quick way of getting around um, 
some of the things you need to go through in surrogacy. It is about sort of pacing yourself through the journey. And I thought, well, look, I can think of sort of five clear stages that somebody would go through um, in terms of the process of surrogacy from a mental health perspective. I'm just thinking sort of, you know, some of the things that um, I guess that, that might help along the way. Okay, so what's number one? Okay, so number one, I thought to myself, okay, one of the most uh, frustrating, I think, stages is the wait. <laughs> so the wait to, um, to get started. I think, you know, we, we come to, I see people coming to this stage of knowing that they need to uh, pursue surrogacy. You know, there's a whole background um, of often grief and loss to get to that point. You know, it's not just grieving things like, a, you know, miscarriages. It's actually grieving the loss of carrying a child for yourself. Um, and I think then they sort of get to the stage where there's this really long wait and there is no defined, okay, I'm going to find somebody to carry a baby for me tomorrow. There is no end in sight at that stage. And that's really, for a human being, that's very, very hard. We we're wired to um, you know, dislike things that are uncertain. And at that point, that waiting, feels like there's a lot of waiting in, in, um, sort of in the surrogacy world, but that particular sort of waiting for that person to, to come along is really, really tough. It's very uncertain. Um, it is a time where you know, keeping hope alive is really, really important. Mm. Do you have any suggestions for intended parents in particular that are in that waiting time, how to manage it and how to look after themselves in that time? Yeah, look, I think um, one of the uh, areas in positive psychology we talk about is hope and we talk about how to generate the feelings of hope. I think, um, you know, Emily Dickinson wrote a, a poem about, you know, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul. But actually, you know, a whole bunch of psychologists have come along as scientists and been able to pull apart the construct of what hope is made up of for a human being. And what we know about that is it, it has three sort of major components, right? It has a goal, you know, in this case, it would be, you know, to get that baby, to hold that baby in your arms, to become a parent. It has, it's made up of the extent to which we feel that we have control over that, how confident we are in our own abilities. And it's also made up of pathways in between the two. So, um, you know, pathways are ways to get to, to your goal. And we find that people with more pathways, more ways of getting to where they want to go, people with a clearer idea of what their goals are and where they want to get to, and people with a, a sort of a greater sense of their ability to control what happens and the outcome and how confident they are in themselves of getting their dream, they tend to have more hope. Okay. And we know that, um, I guess, hope is about our relationship with the future, you know, what, what's going to happen. So to me, um, you know, having a plan A, B, C, D, however many letters of the alphabet you want, is really, really important. You know, being practical about are there other pathways um, around this situation that we're dealing with? 
mm. trying to sort of plan it out is really, really important. I can relate to that, that feeling of if you don't feel like you have any control over the situation, then you can feel quite despondent. So I'm probably like many people, if I can feel like I'm in control of something, I can feel a lot more positive about what's going to happen, even if the ultimate outcome is outside of my control. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's, that's right. I think it's, um, you know, it's this idea about the more that you can be resourceful um, as a human being, trying to find different ways to get around things. You know, sometimes, um, you know, at the end of the day, when you have, um, you know, when you're waiting for the outcome of tests, it really is. There's only so much science can do. It becomes a sort of a, one of those things that sort of Mother Nature takes over and, and does its thing as to whether that embryo sticks or not. Um, but, you know, making sure that you're looking after yourself, making sure that you're um, you know, resting, taking it, taking it easy, uh, grounding yourself, being in the present moment, doing all the things that a human being needs to do to feel well, getting out, connecting with people, um, all those sorts of things are going to build your capacity to see other pathways and respond when opportunities arise. Mm. So what's your number two? My number two. Um, so um, doing the sort of surrogacy attempts part. So, you know, you sort of, you've, you've found this uh, amazing person that is going to help you to get your dream really coping with the ups and downs of that actual journey before you fall pregnant because obviously there's the you know there's the sort of um meeting somebody developing a relationship and then there's kind of actually going through the attempts at um you know the embryo um tr uh, being transplanted and you know there's all those kind of you know the two-week wait has this worked all of that sort of up and down and again um that's where this kind of idea of hope, you know, is, is really about holding on to that, holding on to that belief that it's possible. Because at times it can feel, you know, particularly when you have a failed attempt, it can feel that, you know, I've certainly seen um, a lot of teams become really despondent at that stage. And, you know, particularly when there's been multiple attempts, it's, it's really tough. That's, that's a really hard being as a human being to to keep going in the face of what can feel like adversity. Mm. Um, I think it's bringing me back to when I did fertility treatment all those years ago and we had lots of failed attempts and also in my own surrogacy where we had lots of attempts that didn't work and then ultimately did. But, yeah, trying to maintain your mental health along the way and everyone else's is really important. Yeah. So um, what's number three? So number three, during the pregnancy itself. So I think um, this, is, this is where it starts to become, well, um, it starts to become really real at this point. So I think particularly when we're talking about in intended parents, um, it is about, you know, breathe, <laughs> relax, <laughs> and take, you know, take, take it one day at a time. It is very, um, very tempting, I think, to get uh, caught up in, you know, pushing and being sort of um, very, um, oh, what's the word, uh, very controlling over, 
you know, what's happening to the surrogate, what's, what's her experience, what is she doing with herself, what is she eating, you know, getting really wrapped up in that sort of stuff. Because actually, you know, it's outside of your control, it's somebody else's, you know, body. That's where I think trust is super, super important at that stage. And, you know, I would encourage people before they get uh, full pregnant to, to look at what trust looks like for them. So, you know, that is something that is active, you know, choosing to hold back on asking a thousand questions and just trusting that this process and that this person who is doing this thing for you is, is going to be, um, you know, doing what is sensible and what is right. Mm. Um, you know, communicating, making sure that you, you check in and, you know, you act like a, a sort of a, a kind, caring human being, you know. Um, those things are extremely important during the pregnancy itself yeah and I think surrogates will often talk about that time when they know that the intended parents are perhaps anxious about the pregnancy or anxious about what's happening and you know what is out of their control with the surrogates behavior and it is so important for intended parents to kind of own that because the surrogate wants to know that you do trust her that you've you know you've you're managing your own um, anxiety and, and lack of control because actually being out of control at that point can be an amazing sort of liberating experience as well if you can give over to trusting that your surrogate has got it in hand and is looking after the baby. Absolutely and you know trust is really active I think um, you know I think people often say you know I've got issues with trust and I you know I don't know I don't know how to trust this person um, and you know at the end of the day you're trusting somebody with this most precious thing but it, it is about something that's active. You know, you can choose to make a decision to be really aware of, um, you know, are you showing that person that you trust them? Mm. And that will then show up in the behaviour that you choose to have. You know, are you checking every two seconds or are you actually checking in because you care? And, yeah. you know, I think it's um, at that particular stage, you know, it really is the communication and thinking about, being mindful of how am I communicating? How am I coming across? And, and checking in, asking the question, you know, being, being honest about, oh God, you know, I'm worried that I, I'm worried that I'm over, you know, I'm not asking enough questions or I'm asking too many questions. How does it feel for you? You know, using some empathy there. You know, that's, um, you know, we talk about being resilient and, and having good mental health. You know, connecting well to other people is really important that's a way of doing it, you know, mm. showing some empathy, trying to think about it from the other person's point of view. I, I think I can recall a time when one of my intended parents did share with me that he was feeling very anxious, particularly towards the end of the pregnancy when it's sort of pointy end and we don't know when the baby's going to come and we don't know how the birth is going to go. And when he shared that with me, it really made me feel closer to him and felt sort of like I felt privileged that he had shared that with me and been... Um, vulnerable and open with me so I think there's such value in just being vulnerable and open and sharing your journey with somebody that's you know to you don't have to worry about seeing seeming silly because they'll actually perhaps welcome you sharing it absolutely absolutely it's again it's it's a way to connect it's also about making sure that you manage your own, um, you are responsible for your own emotions as well. Because I think, you know, when the pressure and the stress is on, we can all have, 
you know, mini, mini meltdowns where we, we really sort of struggle with things and things get to us. And, and around that time of um, the birth and, you know, that, that period sort of leading up to the birth, that's kind of like, it's like the tip of the iceberg. It's where it all, you know, it, all the rubber hits the road. And, um, you know, making sure that you're being responsible for how you're feeling and that you're being you know, you're not sort of pushing that off onto somebody else by, you know, completely losing it, but that you are being honest and um, really it's a skill of assertiveness to own how you're feeling, but being really honest about that with the person that's, you know, the people that are in your team. Mm. And you can make such a huge connection with somebody when you do share that. So I think we're up to number four. Is that right? Yep, which we kind of covered because we were talking about sort of um, during the birth and managing, um, you know, managing that part. And I think it's, I sort of, it sort of ties in with number five for me, um, which is really parenting. Um, I think, you know, it's a little bit like during the birth or shortly after the birth, I should say, you know, making sure that you're thinking about, um, keeping that connection you know keeping that connection with the you know the, all the team members not just the surrogate but her partner and the kids whilst you're trying to juggle with this newborn you know that's you know i work with a lot of um particularly with a lot of ladies uh with postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety and you know regardless of whether you've come into um parenthood by um going through surrogacy or not it is a difficult time and I think it's easy to lose sight of the connections, it's easy to lose sight of what you need as a person and you know what we need is good relationships and connections and so you know shortly after that after the birth it is um, making sure that you're really really sort of checked into okay I guess I've got to look after this newborn but also here's this person that's done this amazing thing for me you know, I don't want to do anything that's going to um, uh, what's the word? compromise that. So, you know, making sure that you've got a plan for that. You know, a lot of a lot of mental health is really having having a strategy and a plan and thinking things through. Well, how are we actually going to do that when it comes to you know the the delivery and um, making sure that you've got enough time to take a break and that you're keeping yourself breathing and grounded mm. um, yeah I find that so interesting I think um, there's not enough I don't think talk about parenting after infertility or parenting after surrogacy I know having having gone through infertility myself it was the parenting that I was quite surprised about because you kind of expect yourself or you think everyone's going to expect that you'll love every aspect of the parenting because you fought so hard to be there um, I guess, is there anything we can do for intended parents or for anyone going through infertility struggles to manage those expectations when the baby arrives and that, you know, they feel like they can never be upset or angry or anxious about the new parenting role that they've got to take on? Yeah, look, I think, I think the reality is that however, like I said, however you have come, um, you know, your journey to that point to having a, having a newborn, um, regardless, newborns are a challenge they are so vulnerable they are so beautiful and they smell so good but um but they are tiring and 
think, you know, it's quite understandable for anybody to have to um, get used to living life every couple of hours, changing nappies, feeding, you know, round the clock. It's tough. So I, the number one thing that I would always do with anybody who I'm working with is encourage them to understand that actually how they're feeling is really normal. You know, a human being going through a massive adjustment is going to feel tearful and angry and probably a little bit resentful, regardless of, you know, how they've kind of got to that point. I think, you know, any sort of major adjustment in our life is really, really tough for us. And um, if we can just help people by saying, look, yeah, it sucks, <laughs> you know, empathizing with what that person's going through. Um, yeah, look, you still, whether you, um, whether you carry the baby or you don't carry the baby, dealing with the baby uh, and being a parent, um, you are a parent like everybody else. You've got to wipe bottoms, change nappies and do all, you know, put up with the crying. And um, I think, again, you know, being empathic, being there for somebody, using your supports as well is super, super important. But, but more than anything, realising that it's normal to feel that way. Mm. And it's taken me a long time to think about this, but um, I think it, I eventually came to the conclusion that I really, really love my children more than anything in the world, but I don't always love parenting and that those are two separate things. You can love your children dearly. You don't have to always love parenting them, particularly when they're having tantrums or, you know, dealing with problems and yeah. And there's no medal either. No. You know, nobody posts a medal um, that you get to wear for being the most excellent parent. You know, we, we kind of work with a lot of parents and it, it really is about aiming for good enough rather than, you know, being perfect. And I think, you know, there's, I've certainly had um, clients tell me in the past that they felt very much like because they've become a parent through surrogacy you know they can't say oh you know this kid's driving me crazy or they can't admit that actually they're finding it tough and you know i you know i think that is something we need to discourage and i think we need to get people talking about how they're feeling because sharing it is something that kind of halves it <laughs> mm, definitely yeah. Do you have any advice for, for perhaps a team at the very beginning of the surrogacy journey that is thinking, how do we sort of make sure that we're all in check with our mental health? Because sometimes what I see is that you might have some of the team members really taking stock of their mental health and keeping it in check, but others not. So can we sort of make it like a team commitment to all look after our own mental health and each other's? I guess that's that's one of the things that you can do um, to keep each other accountable. I think, you know, um, at the very least with mental health, people tend to skip over this part is that actually we're quite basic. We need exercise. We need good food. We need good connections. And, you know, that's all very basic stuff that actually you can check in with each other as a team. You know, how is how is the Pilates going? How is the yoga going? Let's go out and do some walking in the park. Let's, you know, one of our catch ups, let's just go for a walk, you know, um, and just go and get some fresh air, connect with nature. They're all things that will build our resiliency. You know, it's not complex things you know, often um, going for going for a walk on the beach, 
you know, hugely beneficial for us. They say that we're basically houseplants with complicated emotions and it's completely true. <laughs> I like that. That's, that is so true, my goodness. Um, thank you, Sarah Jane, for chatting with us today. I know you are practicing in surrogacy counselling and you're also doing the psych assessments. Now, you're based in Victoria, but you can practice across Australia, is that right? That's correct. That's amazing. All right, so I'm going to include details of your business on the post so that people can find you. Um, thank you. That was really good. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.